Turning again to that portion of the word that we read together in the book of Psalms, Psalm number 33, seeking the help and the guidance of the Lord. We can read again at verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. It is said that the liberal philosopher George Bernard Shaw, that near the end of his life, uh, having lived a godless life and doing all he could to turn people away from the, the teaching of the Word of God, he wrote this. The science to which I pinned my faith is bankrupt. I helped to destroy the faith of millions. And now people look at me and they witness the great tragedy of an atheist who has lost all faith. What a way to die. There, friends, speaks a man facing death in despair, having tried so many ways to disprove the reality of having a soul, the reality of God, and the reality of the need to be saved, he now finds himself, as many others do, despite all the learning and despite all the writings, and despite all their popularity, the great tragedy, he said, of an atheist who had lost all faith. But, friends, how different for the believer. How different for you and I, I pray, tonight, when that great day comes for us. When we have to face the reality of death in our own lives. Surely, if we are believers tonight, it is not without hopelessness. Oh yes, we may in one sense look back on our lives and feel how often we have disappointed ourselves and others and how, much, how often we have also may well have grieved the Holy Spirit of God. But when there is forgiveness and mercy, when Christ has sprinkled and we have the blood sprinkled upon us, then, friends, we can face that day with a good hope and with assurance that to be with Christ is far better. And the Christian can always face in trust and faith whatever lies ahead. Our lives, whatever is in our lives, experience, life's experience, if we are trusting in the Lord, 
well, it puts everything else into its right context. Everything, whatever lies ahead, and that, as I said, includes the day of our death. We can look to that day with a holy confidence. Well, that's not to say that, as we know, death is spoken about as the last enemy. But we should have, as it were, deep down that assurance that though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That that should be true for us. In these last few days, we have been remembering the Lord's death till he come. And we are thinking of these things not in helplessness or hopelessness, but has it not been, as Peter puts it elsewhere, having a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? And isn't that everything to you tonight, Christian? And if you're not a believer here tonight, that's what you need as well. Because you cannot face the future or death, especially death, without having this lively hope that Peter speaks about. And that by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Well, friends, we believe that God sees and looks down upon this whole world that he has created. We believe the Lord's eye is particularly upon his people at all times. And we believe so that if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, that we are safe. How safe are you? You're as safe as those who have already attained to glory. Yes, they have got rid of this world and all its temptations and trials and difficulties. But they are no safer in Christ, those who have gone, than you and I are tonight if we're in Christ. Because when he begins the work, he will continue it. And for you, believer tonight, you are indeed then just as secure now as those who in spirit look upon the face of the anointed one in heaven above. God looks upon his own here, and he will be with them whatever lies ahead. Well, let us then, as we come to the conclusion of our communion time, let us consider what we have here in verse, reading again in verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. And particularly, first of all, we see God's interest in his own people. God's interest in his own people. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them. Now, the psalmist introduces this glorious truth with a behold, this verse itself. And you know yourselves so often we have that. And I often had a word from the Lord Jesus in the New Testaments that, behold, it is a sort of think about it. Be astonished even at it. Be astonished at what I'm about to say, says the psalmist here particularly. Behold, think about it, that this is true for you. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. The eye of the Lord is upon you. Yes, of course, 
always upon everyone, but particularly this is talking to the Christian. So if it's talking to the Christian, it's not talking about a judgmental view, a judgmental eye upon his own people. Now, of course, there would have been a time in your past life and mine when we would have been, at least occasionally, maybe uncomfortable with the thought of that, that God was seeing us. Maybe you think of that yourself, even before you were ever a Christian, that these things would occasionally come into your experience. You might have been uncomfortable, if not even afraid at times, of the thought of God seeing you, and particularly seeing you in certain situations in your life. Maybe having been brought to some awareness of what sin was, some awareness of what you yourself were as a sinner, some awareness of what that meant for you. And many of us being brought up maybe in, in if not some of us in Christian homes, but certainly with a Christian influence. And the fact that God sees all, I'm sure that that for all of us, from the youngest to the oldest, was something that was always impressed upon us. And at times, even as children, some of us may remember when that frightened us and terrified us. But today, tonight here, if you're a child of God, despite your continued struggle with your sin and your sinful nature, there is a difference because knowing God knows you as you are in Christ, as you are in union with the Lord Jesus, what do you find? There is comfort there, is there not? There is comfort for you in knowing God in that way and knowing that God is I is upon you. Because you are now, as you know, you are seen by the Almighty, as it were. You are seen by him as you are united to Christ. And what he is seeing, if you like, is Christ. And he is seeing him and accepting him as your advocate. And indeed, even as your sacrifice, as the one who took your punishment. So when his eye is upon you now, it's in a different way altogether, and that can be a comfort to us. Now, as I said, of course, it can be said that God always sees everything, and God always sees all things in the world that he has created. But he sees his own people. His eye is upon them, those he gave himself to his beloved son in the covenant of redemption. They are precious to him, his eyes upon them. We looked the other day, wasn't at the question meeting, about the preciousness of Christ. And do you believe he is precious? And we precious to him as he looks upon us. You see, he has a special interest in his own people. A special interest in them because they are those that he has gifted to the Son. He has, they are those for whom Christ died. Of course he has a special interest in you. Of course he looks upon you in mercy, in grace, and in Christ. That's special. To what extent does he have that? 
Well, we have it in verse 19, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. The eye of the Lord's upon you. It's all about that deliverance. It's all about that redemption that is yours tonight here. Oh, child of God, do you realize how blessed it is that God is looking down upon you, that his eye is upon you. That eternal death that shall never harm you, nor have any power over you. And even speaks here and can be seen in different ways and to keep them alive in famine in verse 19. Deliver their soul from death to keep them alive in famine. If you like, he always ensures that he will feed, that he will, you will not go hungry because he has given you his word. And his word is precious to you. And it's in that word that you see all that you need. And by his spirit leading you, that you know and believe his eye is upon you now, it's not as it once was. You see, of course, as we said, his eye is upon all. Ah, but his eye is upon his own in a particular way. And this is more than just what we talk about common grace. This is about a particular grace that is in that look of God upon his own people. And so, friends, even at the times of distress, at times of difficulties, at times of the sense maybe of the power of the enemy in your soul, you're not alone. In the storms of this life that will come your way, and they will, and they do, don't they? A Christian goes through many storms in this life, but you're not on your own. There's a great comfort in knowing what we have here, that the eye of the Lord is upon you. And there is that assurance that that comes with that. And to hear, as it were, that still small voice that you hear and comforts, be not afraid, it is I. What comfort there is that. Be not afraid, it is I. And just as the disciples, remember the disciples on an occasion, what manner of man is this? He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. And that's what you can do as well. That in the storms of life and the difficulties that you have, are they're in the Lord's hand, and his eye is upon you in them. And so you can have that assurance when you know that. That can be a great comfort to us, surely, to know that for ourselves. That's the God who, who, who David, who likely wrote this psalm, we're not told of sure, but is that not the God that we know? Is that not the God that you and I have come to know? Is that not the God who, who's at one time that, that you trembled in his presence with fear of judgment? And now you marvel that he is not, has not cast you away, but that he is, as it were, welcome you, him, you, you to himself. His arms stretched out towards you, not in wrath, but in grace and in mercy, and his eye upon you in that way. And what comfort, then, friends, there is 
in knowing this. What comfort there is in having that assurance that even in the days of the greatest trouble in your life, that this will be true and is true for you. The eye of the Lord is upon them. The eye of the Lord. And because of this, knowing your every situation, whatever it is, caring for your eternal good, what have you found yourself, Christian? Well, yes, troubles and difficulties, but you're not alone in them. And have you not as well found and the, the great promise of his own word that he will, with every temptation, also wake away of escape? Remember the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, and that is what he says. And often it is for ourselves as believers. We are struggling. We have gone ourselves into difficulties. We are into situations that we don't know how to get out of them. And we cry to the Lord. And the Lord hears and answers. Hi, because his eye is upon us. His ear is open to our cry, the same thing. And we find that when we turn to him with every temptation, he also makes a way of escape. Not of ourselves. We haven't escaped, as it were, by our own cleverness or by our own holiness even but by what he has done and what he is doing for us. Why? Because his eye is upon us. So, dear friend, tonight, you who love the Lord and those who have sat at the table yesterday showing that, remember, yes, his eye is upon you. But you know, in a sense, there is a truth that is even more um, intimate than that. And it is this, not only says I upon you, but you are, according to Zechariah, as the apple of his eye. You are as the apple of his eye. You know what the picture we have there? And it goes on to say, he that toucheth you. It's as if you're, anyone is as it were, as is touching himself. There's that picture we have there, the most as if they touched the most enemy, anyone, the most tender part and easily hurt with the least things. And so the Lord's people, they have that assurance. The Lord's people knowing these things, that the Lord cares for them. And so are the Lord's people as in Christ, as we're part of and part of the body of Christ. And that's what you are, members of the body. You are united to him. You're as united to him as you can possibly be. Once we believe that is true, and whatever injury is done to you, and whatever difficult, it's as if he treats it as something done to himself. And so he cares, and his eye is upon you. His eye is upon you to care for you, to watch out for you, to guide you, to direct you. That's the hope that we have. Friends, do we see and understand then tonight how much care and interest the Lord has in you personally? Come back to this so often, and I am sure that some of you recognize it as a, pers- a, a, a theme that I feel is so important, the personal aspect of our salvation, the personal aspect of our relationship with God. 
He forgives sinners as he forgiven me. He saves sinners as he saved me. It's all about the personal aspect. And that is important for, and this is the whole picture that we have here. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear. Yes, but in that them, there are individuals. And you as an individual, you can be assured tonight that his eye is upon you. So we see his interest in his people. But then we see, secondly, a description of God's people. Them that fear him. That's the first description we have here. There the Lord is upon them that fear him. Well, we've spoken a bit about it. But what kind of fear is this? Oh, it's a godly fear. A godly fear. And that godly fear takes in many things. It takes in, surely, those who live with a desire not to offend God. And that's a transformation that comes into the life of the believer. At one time, there was a carelessness. But it's not like that now, is it? There's a desire not to offend. It's about a a holy reverence for God. Not any longer a carelessness. But this is the eye of the Lord, the care of the Lord is upon them who have a reverence for him, who live with a desire not to offend him. And living with an awareness of this. You see, it's connected, is it not? The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Because them that fear him, what have they got? They've got an awareness that the eye of the Lord is upon them. And that, friends, is important for us as well. Now, that's true. For, this is not just something that belongs to some believers. This is not something that belongs to an older believer. The, but the moment we believe, the moment we believe, this godly fear, to some extent, should be there in our hearts. The very moment we believe. And so for all of us, if we love the Lord tonight, whatever stage we are at, this will be true. There will be this godly fear that we will have. Them that fear him. And so God is seen in Christ now in a completely different light. Here is an encouragement to you tonight, friend. Do you know something of this godly fear? Do you know something of this reverence for the Almighty? Do you know something of this adoration for him as you see him in Christ? You see, friends, these are sure evidences and marks that you have come to know him and that his eye is upon you for good. You see, this is not the fear here. It's not the fear of hell. It's not the fear of the wrath of God. It's not even the fear of death. But it's to do with this, to do with us as uh, uh, the American uh, preacher put it, Al Martin. It is to do this fear, to do the presence of God and a constant awareness of our obligation to Him. This fear, the presence of God and the constant awareness of our obligation to Him. 
That's the fear of God. Obligation for what? Well, surely, friend, the obligation for what he has done for you in Christ. Oh, do you ever, and will you ever tire of thanking him with a godly fear for that? For your sins forgiven. What is more wonderful than that for you? And therefore, not just your sins forgiven, not just what he has done for you in Christ, but what that means. What does that mean? Your hope of glory. That ultimately will be yours if you know this godly fear. God will decide upon you. You there, looking upon those, who is it? Them that fear him. And that is the first description of the Lord's people. But there's another description in the verse here as well. Upon them that hope in his mercy. There's a second description. The eye of the Lord is upon them that hope in his mercy. Isn't that a lovely description of the Christian? Them that hope in his mercy. No, friend, what an answer to give to anyone who asks you what it means for you to be a Christian. You could say, oh, I'm someone who has come to hope in the mercy of God. Hoping in his mercy. Of course, it is linked to our first, to the fear, those who fear and to hope in his mercy. But we are those now who no longer, and we get verses 16 and 17, the idea of those who depend on a king or a host of mighty men, the horses are vain thing for safety. In other words, there are come those who hope in his mercy and in nothing else, and in nothing of this world, not in the strength of anything in this world, not in their own strength either. And now, you are one who knows his special ministry as you have it in Christ. The redemption you have by him and him alone. That mercy. And so no longer trusting in anything else but in him. And knowing that, that mercy includes the pardon of your sin. And that mercy includes because you have pardon of your sin you have that assured hope of eternal life. And you are encouraged to have that hope from the abundance of the mercy of God, the abundance of mercy in the heart of God for you. You were speaking yesterday about some of these things in fellowship, the mercy of God. No doubt, friends, that temporal death may overtake you, but it will deliver your soul from spiritual and from eternal death. Verse 9, deliver that soul from death. Keep them alive in famine. You see, friends, there's that hope that we have. Why? Because of his mercy. Them that fear him, them that hope in his mercy. Oh, they are not those 
Maybe at one time you were, you hoped in yourself and you hoped in your good works and you hoped in your religion. But now, the transformation child of God, you hope in whose mercy? Whose mercy? Throck it, Nothing else will do, friends. This wonderful mercy of God. And if we are here and we love the Lord and we have sought to show that yesterday, what a mercy that we are able to sit even at his table and to remember his death till he come. If I can even quote something, a little bit of Augustus' top lady, wrote these beautiful words, a debtor to mercy alone, of covenant mercy I sing. As on to say, the terrors of law and of God with me can have nothing to do. My Savior shall beat in some blood, hide all my transgressions from view. There is mercy. There is the mercy of God. Oh, what mercy that hides all our transgressions from you transgressions that you are thankful those around you don't see. But he hides in the blood of Christ, in the sacrifice of Christ. Where are they hidden? In Christ. For those who have mercy. As I said, talking yesterday about the attributes of God, it seemed that above all else, mercy was the one that was spoken about as being most precious to most. Is that true for yourself tonight? Well, friends, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. There's a description, them that fear him, and upon that hope in his mercy. Mercy, mercy. It's a wonderful thing to know that mercy. You've all heard, I'm sure, the story, and maybe I've repeated it here before, about Napoleon who was approached by a mother seeking pardon for her son, who had son a couple of times, who had done something wrong, and he had, uh, was going to be put to death. And she pled with him that she would forgive him. And he said, well, justice demands his death. Oh, she said, I don't ask for justice. I'm just pleading for mercy. But your son, she said, he said, doesn't deserve mercy. And she said, sir, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. And dear friends in Christ tonight, mercy is what we have received. Mercy is what we have received. Do you know that mercy tonight? Is this a description of yourself tonight? You fear him and you hope in his mercy. That is, this is not a hope that maybe it'll happen one day. It is a hope that is present even now with the child of God. I remember someone in a wider circle of family that um, one family that I don't know how the Lord dealt with her, an old lady, and I remember on her deathbed, 
She kept just repeating. She couldn't hardly speak. Troker, troker, troker. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And that's what we need when we face death, friends, to receive that mercy for ourselves. So then, as we conclude our communion season at this time, what better note than to contemplate the eye of the Lord upon you, having the fear of God in your hearts and the rejoicing in the abundant, astonishing mercy of your God. He has shown you this, something worth considering and consider meditating on, surely, because it will, it should encourage us if we know this for ourselves. So it's difficult. Sometimes uh, doing so will have our eye of faith, as it were, full of tears. At the same time, we can have that at the same time as sometimes our hearts bursting for joy at the thought of the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. What a good way to end for ourselves a commune season. What better spiritual condition could you be in than to contemplate this? I know the Lord's eye is upon me. I fear the Lord with a holy fear. And I do hope in his mercy. Is that true for yourself tonight? Well, if it is, the best is yet to come for you. And I pray that all of us here would know that for ourselves. And dear friend here tonight, if you're still without this fear and this, without this hope, God will not be looking upon you in mercy, but in judgment. But it need not be. Look to him tonight. Plead for that mercy. And who knows, but even this night, you will have been brought from darkness into light, from death to life as well. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, how we thank thee for thy continued loving kindness and mercy toward us. Surely goodness and mercy has followed us all the days of our lives. But there is that particular mercy that belongs to thy people, those that fear thee, those that thou dost look up down upon and seize them in Christ. May we all be of that blessed and holy number. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.